This episode is hosted by one of our friends and leaders at Van City, Levi Warren. I'm sure I don't have to tell you that amidst the current global pandemic we find ourselves in, much of what has been routine about our lives has been disrupted. Maybe for you personally, things haven't devolved into all-out chaos. Perhaps things just feel disordered and out of sync, so to speak. But even a simple loss of daily rhythm can be a challenge. So this got me thinking, what's something we can do in this current situation to help keep a sense of order and rhythm in our lives? And not only that, but how can this be an opportunity for that daily rhythm to be something that connects us to the Father and shapes us more into the likeness of Jesus? Well, I think it's in Jesus and one of his own life rhythms that we can find our answer. Now, I hope this doesn't come as a surprise to you, but Jesus was Jewish. Oftentimes we overlook that fact, but we should realize that Jesus' Jewish heritage is what guided and framed his own spiritual formation. One thing this means is that Jesus grew up amongst a praying people. Now, often in our modern Western culture, we think of prayer as simply reactive. That is, something happens in our lives and we react with a spontaneous thank you, a request for aid, an apology to God, or something similar. Now, these things aren't bad. In fact, they're beautiful expressions of our dependence on God. But for a Jew in the ancient Near East, like Jesus, prayer was not simply reactive. Rather, it was about holding to a sacred rhythm of sacred words. Jewish historians and biblical scholars tell us that one of the main ways ancient Jews would have expressed the sacred rhythm of sacred words would have been by reciting something called the Shema three times a day at set hours of prayer, once in the morning, once at midday, and once in the evening. Now, you may not know the prayer by that name, but you most likely have heard the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy 6, 4-5, and goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's it, short and sweet, yet deeply profound. For an ancient Jew, this prayer was about daily orienting yourself to the reality of who God is and how that shapes your life. And this prayer, the Shema, was a foundational aspect of Jesus' own message about the kingdom of God and what it meant to live as a citizen of that kingdom. In fact, when asked by an expert of Torah law about what the greatest commandment was, Jesus replied by quoting this very prayer from Deuteronomy. In Mark 12, beginning in verse 29, we read, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. But in true Jesus fashion, he does not end there. He continues by quoting from Leviticus 19.18, saying, The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In Matthew's account of the same story, Jesus actually ends by saying, All the law and prophets hang or depend on these two commands. When asked what the greatest command was, Jesus answered by saying, There are actually two greatest commands. He tightly wound these two commands together, forever linking them in what New Testament scholar Scott McKnight calls the Jesus Creed. It's Jesus's succinct and foundational statement of what it means to live life in the kingdom. You must love God and you must love others. Everything else depends on this. And it's this very Jesus Creed that actually shaped the words of Jesus's most famous prayer, the one that he gave to his disciples as a gift to teach them how to pray. In Matthew 6, 9-13, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And if you look closely, you can see that it's actually built on the Jesus Creed, that unique combination of the Shema from Deuteronomy 6 and the command to love your neighbor as yourself from Leviticus 19. First, the prayer orients us to whom we are addressing, just like the Shema does. Who are we praying to? Our Father in heaven. God is our Father, and we are His children. It's relational, familial language. And notice that it's plural, our Father, not singular, my Father. This will be very important to keep in mind. Uh, Next, Jesus gives us three lines on this idea that we're to love and honor God. And how do we do this? Well, the prayer is that first, God's name would be hallowed or be kept holy. That is, God's name, His reputation and character would be seen and honored as wholly unique and worthy of praise. And as followers of Jesus, we bear the name of our Father and represent Him to the world. What are we doing to love God by keeping His name holy? Second, we pray that God's kingdom will come. We recognize the kingship and authority of our Father, submitting to His rule and partnering with Him to usher in the reign of His kingdom. Third, we ask that God's will would be done on earth or in humanity's space as it is done in heaven, that is, in God's space. We believe that God's vision and design for humanity is better than our own, so we love Him by submitting our will to His. The first half of the prayer is about followers of Jesus declaring their love and allegiance to the Father and His coming kingdom. Next, Jesus continues His prayer with three lines on the idea of loving our neighbors as ourselves, the second part of His greatest command. And Jesus says this involves bread, forgiveness, and deliverance. First, we pray that God would give us daily bread. We recognize our Father as a generous giver of good gifts and the one who provides for us on a daily basis. All that we have comes from God, and this in turn should inspire us to be generous and caring toward our neighbors. Remember, we pray give us our daily bread, not give me my daily bread. Second, we pray that the Father would forgive us as we forgive others. We release the right that we hold over others to seek retaliation when they have wronged us. Rather, just as Jesus did, we orient ourselves in loving forgiveness toward our neighbors. Third, Jesus ends his prayer by asking that the Father would not lead us into temptation, but provide us with deliverance from the evil one. Jesus himself faced temptations, noticeably at the beginning and end of his ministry, in the desert and the garden, respectively. I don't believe Jesus relished the idea of temptations and trials, but he did believe in the Father's ultimate deliverance and victory over the evil one. He faced opposition, and his allegiance to the Father was tested. But Jesus rejected the voice of the enemy and instead trusted that the Father would deliver him through the trials. And he calls us into the same allegiance and trust in the Father, knowing that he will deliver us. We are called to be a community of Jesus' followers who submit themselves to the King of the Kingdom and who learn what it means to love one another through generosity, forgiveness, and support in times of trial. In the Jesus Creed and the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has given us sacred words to be used in what we could still call that sacred rhythm of prayer. Jesus told His disciples, When you pray, pray like this. 
I think he meant us to take that seriously. And perhaps in this time of chaos and uncertainty, we could all benefit from a little rhythm, a sacred rhythm of sacred words. So consider doing this simple practice throughout the course of these social distancing and stay-at-home orders. Three times a day, once in the morning, once at midday, and once in the evening, pray the Jesus Creed found in Mark 12, 29-31, as well as the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, 9-13. You could set an alarm on your phone for 8 a.m., noon, and 4 p.m. perhaps, or commit to saying these prayers before breakfast, lunch, and dinner each day. Find a rhythm that works for you. And each time you pray, don't simply recite the words as a lifeless incantation. Rather, let the words wash over you. Concentrate on them and internalize them. Visualize what it looks like for you as God's child to keep God's name holy. Imagine what it looks like for you to participate in His coming kingdom and to submit to His will that is being accomplished in the world. When you pray for bread, forgiveness, and deliverance, ask the Spirit to speak over you, that He would show you creative ways to become a more generous, forgiving, and compassionate citizen of the kingdom of God, that He would show you how to be someone who loves their neighbor as themselves. And as you practice the sacred rhythm of sacred words, ask that the Father would use this time to shape your overall prayer life. Allow the rhythm of these words to inspire in you spontaneous prayers that are aligned with the heart and teaching of King Jesus. This sacred rhythm of sacred words can have a huge impact on the overall way that we pray. When we react to the situations of life and spontaneous prayer pours out of us, we will be more predisposed to come to the Father in submission with an attitude of thanksgiving and generosity and with hearts full of compassion and love towards others. And right now, I think we could all use that.